Uh, how do we approach a new year with this clean slate uh, and try and seek God's best, or as the series goes, uh, find ourselves in good fortune? And so for all of my God-will-seeking needs, for all of my um, desires to seek out the will and the hopes of God, I trust all my answers to the Answer Me Jesus doll, which functions much like my magic eight ball. <clears throat> and so when you talk about good fortune, you have to start with some, um, some wisdom uh, and, and seek out, and I like to use both of them because this one kind of, I, I, you know, if I get one over here that I'm not quite sure, it leaves me a little. So, you know, the magic eight ball, like, okay, will, will Alabama win number 17 uh, in the national championship tomorrow night? Magic eight ball would say, um, uh, ooh, reply hazy. Try again. See, so then, then what I do is I, I go to um, Answer Me Jesus, uh, and, and it says, <clears throat> resist the devil. And so I don't like that one, and so I, I, I try it again, uh, and, and he says, <clears throat> I died for this? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, man. Okay, so then I go, all right, is there hope for my golf score this year to improve? And it says, um, my sources said no, and I didn't really like that one, and so I go to um, uh, my Answer Me Jesus doll, uh, and, and it says, what does that say? Um, uh, no, that doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, and, it, and it says, um, I forgive you. And so I'm like, oh, phooey. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, what about like something more maybe like, is, it, is, is my kid the stinky kid? You know, like, is my kid the one who sticks out at school? And you're like, okay, for all of God's will, you need to know. Um, it says, um, better not tell you now. Are you serious? Like, that's really an answer? Uh, and then this one um, would simply just say repent. And so um, I'm like, golly, uh, I, I, I think that when we look at the Bible then, um, it's full of promises and some are clear and then some are elusive. Um, some tell you what you want to hear and some don't. And if I'm honest and I listen to people and probably even do this myself, sometimes I want to claim the promises of God, but almost treat this like it was a genie lamp. And if I could just rub it the right way, it'll deliver. And one of those promises that always has been a little mercurial, a little bit um, kind of elusive to me, is that promise uh, that, that Tim Tebow likes to wear in his tape and, you know, uh, Ephesians 4.13. I don't know how many of you are familiar with this, but it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and while that's a great victorious sounding verse, it's a great verse to claim. I don't think it means always what I think it means. It's like we can sort of like rub the Bible uh, like a genie lamp. Uh, but the interesting thing, particularly about that verse, and I want to look at a few promises this month to make sense of both our hope and God's promises, is this, is that when Paul writes that verse, he's not writing from a mountaintop. Really important, the context of his writing. He's actually writing from jail. 
And yet he's making this victorious statement about being able to overcome and and do all things through Christ who gives him strength, which sounds like a really important verse at the front end of a new year with a clean slate that we get to be a part of crafting. Sometimes we're going to walk in and stumble into struggle because of our own doing. Sometimes it's going to accidentally happen. But the reality is, the promise of God is, I am in all things and in Christ I can do all things which means I don't actually need to always get my way for Christ to be formed in me and so when we claim the promises of God we also have to understand the context in which God declared these promises to be true so if we were to maybe back up a a little step and we look at Ephesians chapter 4 and the larger verse says this now Paul is in jail and he's writing back to these people who have met his need and um, he's had uh, visitors come and bring him kind of resource because if you were in jail it was basically a starvation plan uh, unless you had people willing to care for you and so they were ministering to him they were bringing him things and so he writes this letter from prison one of four letters he wrote Uh, called the prison letters and he gives this sort of testimony Philippians is four chapters this is towards the end so I'm kind of just giving you the reader's digest thumbnail sketch but he says I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me which sort of implies that their concern has been sort of distant at times and yet he finds encouragement that they've kind of renewed their concern indeed you have been concerned but you had no opportunity to show it I'm not saying this because I'm in need for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty I think that's something that we can all say today which is something that's really important to remind ourselves I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to be in plenty and you know what it's never an either or it's always going to feel like a both and and if we live our lives with if only I could get to this kind of status at work if only I could get to this level in my relationships if I can only get to this place in my net worth it never happens if only I could experience this in my marriage if only if I could change the title of my marital step no he's saying both and I've learned what it means to be in need and in plenty but in the midst of it he says I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want I can do everything through him who gives me strength faith beyond circumstances what a fortune right like faith beyond circumstances content regardless of what surrounding and impending circumstances are around us and Paul shows us through this whole letter um, how knowing Jesus is both deeply personal and transforming if we let it and so regardless of the circumstance he's talking about the secret of being content and it's this dependence on the one who strengthens him 
I want to encourage you tonight to just jot down a couple of notes. Hopefully you grabbed a bulletin on your way in. There's a couple of things I want to highlight tonight and to make note of tonight and actually invite you to, to reply. Maybe you, if you didn't get a bulletin, you just jot a couple of notes on your phone because in a minute I want to kind of have you reflect on some of your own prayers and hopes and expectations. I'm not calling it a resolution because resolution sort of implies a self-help. Uh, what I want to do is try and walk in alignment with what it is God would want to do in us and through us. And so we claim this promise that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, and it's interesting to consider how Christianity through the ages, has been accused of times of both simplicity and greed. Um, and yet the teaching of these verses is that Christ offers power to cope with both poverty and luxury. Indeed, it's the power to do all things. So maybe you sit here tonight and feeling rich in relationship, but poor in debt. Maybe you sit here tonight and sort of feeling a little bit bankrupt physically because you're coming in here with a physical limp, uh, but you sit here knowing that you're, 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 you're well loved. Paul is talking about the dependence of the one who strengthens him in all things. And so if I gave you one thing marching into this new year, it's understanding the one who gives us strength. That regardless of circumstance, our faith doesn't need to waver when we understand that God's in it. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that I like it. It doesn't mean that I agree with it. It doesn't mean that I appreciate it on any level but I understand the promise that God is in all things. And when Paul can write from prison with chains on, feeling like he's at everyone else's mercy for his care and his aid, and he says, I know what it is to be in plenty, and I know what it is to be in want or in need. And he gives this sort of testimony of celebration. I think there's a chance to always have a new beginning. And what the new year does is it reflects back on us this chance to kind of hit a reset button. It has a chance for us to kind of recalibrate our year. Sometimes it means I want to eat better and sometimes it means I want to be more disciplined with my spending. Sometimes it means I want to grow in this particular area and develop a new skill or trait. Sometimes it's, I want to align my life more with God. The thing about it is, we can get, the further we go, uh, a little distracted. You know the analogy I think about is when Peter took the steps outside of the boat, he actually walked on water. I almost think of that as like a great analogy of what the beginning of the year feels like. I can do this. I see Christ. I see the prize. I see the goal. And he just starts marching. But it was like in the midst of a storm. It wasn't like he stepped out into the calm. It's just that he actually took a few steps on top of the water and then began to sink. It wasn't like he dropped in. It's just like he was going in quicksand. And then he begins to cry out. Does that not feel like January to you? I want this to look different. I want to take steps of boldness and of faith. I want to experience the promises of God that, that, that equate to the transforming nature of God. 
And I think that is possible even when we feel like we begin to sink a few weeks into the new year. I came across this story. It's a story about one man who spent so much time building self, um, his, his, his sort of net worth. He was building his career. Um, and yet, even in the midst of that, he began to allow his heart to be softened. And so I thought this would be a good snapshot to capture this picture of what it looks like to be able to be in plenty and in need at the same time. And yet, to be able to say, I can do all things, all things, through him who gives me strength. Looking back in the past 35 years of my life, I realized that I was focused on success at work and that left me very little quality time for serving God. The result was that, guess what? I made more money, but I didn't do ministry the way I knew I should be doing it, thinking that, oh, well, I'm young, I have more time. So 30s turns to 40s, 40s turns to 50s, and now I'm in my late 50s. Finally, I'm trying to flip it in the right direction, spending quality time doing God's work. The process of identifying which ministry my wife and I should select was very important to us. And we put a lot of thought into it. So when we discovered that over 600 refugees come to our city every year, we felt compelled to participate. So we have a family for you. They are from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Hmm? And it's a family of seven, and they're all girls. Wow. So the DRC, it's been civil wars within the country, and that's why they've had to flee. The family arrives this Thursday night. Everything's gonna be new to them, and they're really gonna need a little bit of stability, and we all offer that. We've got an apartment, and we need to set it up. Would y'all be interested in being involved in that sure. process? Yeah. Okay. The way I'm wired, it's important to me to not be involved in huge events that are Billy Grahamish. I'm not made for the spotlight. I'm prone to pride, and that's what I have to fight. So put me in a spot that doesn't foster that, and that's where the Lord is putting us. When I read scripture, I see that it is incumbent upon all Christians to love God and to love others. Chumbo. Chumbo. Someone who shows up and didn't think he would ever get there, and he came here by the skin of his teeth, and he knows not what the future holds. That, to me, is a ripe situation to love others, and I want to be part of it. You want to see it? You want to go see? One bedroom here. And their bedroom is here. So mom and dad, you sleep here, and then someone else sleep here. I think the little one. The little one, yeah. 
Love is not all that complicated. It's actually quite simple. It sort of looks like making yourself very helpful to the people in your life. Some people need a soft word. Some people need a couch. Some people need a friend. Tell them that I'm sure they've had a long trip, but they're home, and they're glad that they're home. They're happy to know that they have people who really care about them and people want to help them. Yeah, yeah. They think that they're going to keep seeing you in their lives. They want to see you again. Tell her yes. When you're my age, you realize the weight of idolatry and realizing that other things have been more important and have taken the place of God. But at the same time, what I'm encouraged about is the direction of my life. I will befriend this family. I will become aware of needs. I will pray for this family. Where that will lead, I'm not sure. Everybody's aiming at something. It's incumbent upon us to know what is that and what should it be. My aim in life is what God wants what brings him pleasure, what is his desire. Can I simply suggest that God is more interested in your direction than your perfection? And if there is one place that contentment starts, it starts with the desires of our hearts. It starts with that which we desire for aligning more with the story of Jesus. And there is times when I end up pursuing Jesus like some kind of rabbit foot, like some kind of I need answered prayers, or I seek God for blessing, I seek God for provision. And, and what I need to do is get back to figure out what is it the things that Jesus desires, because then my expectations become way more met and actually more realistic and in line with what he planned from the beginning. You want to come up and be... You know, this year, I think one of the things we want to do isn't just start, we didn't want to start another church. I wanted to start a place that people could practice faith, practice faith in the most tangible ways. And when I saw this video, it felt like that guy was coming right out of Mission Hills Church. I was like, that's someone, that's one of our stories being told. Uh, that guy could be changed out with any number one of you. Um, but the idea is that we wouldn't just gather here, but we would gather and, and release our faith. And it's not an either or, like either I'm doing God's work or I'm doing my work. It's all God's work. It's all spiritual. But we begin to become more sensitized to the needs and opportunities around us.
And friends, we need to start more tribes because we're understanding there's more need and more opportunity and more mission to be done. It's not this big church growth strategy. It's God's kingdom on earth strategy. And my prayer has been and is today that each of us would have more of a skin in the game of Mission Hills Church and in our faith with Christ so that we would say, God, what is it that you desire of me? So I'm not sitting here a year from now feeling like I'm dealing with the same temptations and the same sin and the same struggle and the same regret and the same shame, but, our, but we, we've recreated a whole new set of challenges because we're taking steps of obedience and God is shaping the desires of our heart. The secret to being content, according to Paul, doing all things through Christ strengthens me, is, is desire. God, Paul had so given his desires over to the desires of Jesus that he was able to fully live into Jesus' story. I want to encourage you to take something out to write with right now, and we're just going to have a time of prayer, but I want you to actually write out prayers. Prayers of good fortune. Maybe that's a lousy way of saying it, but I want to reflect over this year and be able to write down, commit something to writing. And I want to lead you through a couple of thoughts for your hopes for this coming year. Maybe to make it easier, I'll give you some kind of uh, ways to start a prayer. And I want to just simply start by praying a couple of ways. And the first thing I would say is share a praise of God's faithfulness. Maybe you begin just by saying, God, I thank you for. But I would encourage you, be specific. Don't, don't just say my kids or don't just say my friends or my family. Say something that God has authored in your life that you see God's faithfulness. Start with praise. Because the storms come and we need to be reminded of God's faithfulness. That's why again and again, the people of God were always reminded, don't forget that you yourselves were slaves once in Egypt. They want, God wanted them to remind, to remind them that they had been delivered. It's super important that we remember the faithfulness of God. Just write down a prayer of thanksgiving and praise. Now I just invite you to offer a confession. It's hard to just be ambitious people without starting with confession, but I, I, maybe you just begin a, a, a prayer that says, God, I trust you with, and you name the fear, you name the sin, name the temptation, name the regret. find that when I start writing this, it, it, it immediately goes into the plea, help me with. <laughs> God, I trust you with this, so help me with. And then the third thing I would just invite you to just write is a desire. Call it a hope, call it a, a goal, call it what you like, but describe a desire. God, I want to. But name something that you need God's help in order to sustain. Let it be personal. Let it be specific. 
Sometimes I don't think we have much faith in our prayer lives because we don't pray specifically and it doesn't feel very measurable. To the extent that it can be measurable, it's the extent that we get to be encouraged by God's faithfulness. God, I pray for my friends. I pray for this time just to reflect on you. As we just wind up this service, I pray that you would just inhabit our thoughts and inspire our fingers to just jot out prayers to you. Give us a vision for this year. Help us to have your eyes, your heart. Would you shape our desires for righteousness? Would you shape our desire for purity? Would you shape our desire for confidence? Would you shape our desires that might reflect a growing, living faith in you? We're not going to have a long time of prayer uh, or praise. We're just going to sing through a song now. But let's make this our prayer tonight. Let's make this a time of worship where we make this our offering back to God. That we don't just come and listen, but we, we articulate these hopes and desires. And can I just say, that becomes really personal. I talk to people who are like, oh, I, I don't have any expectation, which is a nice way of saying, no, you just won't want to say it out loud. Because uh, then it makes it real. <laughs> and I'm saying, it's okay. Put yourself out there. Um, and, and make your desires known to God. And let's just go to the, the Lord during this time of prayer and worship.